If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose, and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. This is my lucky day. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. And we are here, as always, to get you rich quick with tips, insights, uh, unchecked facts, made up. Bullshit, um, <laughs> and any other number of things that uh, we hope will get you rich quickly. That's right, and I'm sure eventually one of these times we're gonna we're gonna hit it. We're gonna hit it. We're gonna hit that <laughs> jackpot. And if not for us, it's really about you, that's you right. the people out there. And uh, you know, as we always say at the end of the show, but I think I'm gonna throw in right here at the beginning of the show, if you do hit that jackpot using any of our information that we pass on, any of our ideas, which we put out there for the people. We're kind of like Elon Musk. Um, Cut us in. Tithe. Yeah. 10%. 10%. That's all, That's all we about. ask. And if, you, you know, if you're getting that rich, it's not that much to ask That's for, right. I don't if, think. If, if we wanted to keep these for ourselves and reap all the rewards, we would. I just read, funny speaking about tithing, I just read a, an article about uh, a woman who had not been tithing to her church, and she received a collector's notice from her church in Florida uh, asking her for $1,000 to really make up for her tithe. Yeah. You know, I do know from uh, having gone to church and stuff when I was younger mm -hmm. is that uh, they want you as a family to uh, say on your envelope who it's from, and they will let you know if you're not tithing enough pulling your weight yeah really but, but i've never heard of a collection notice yeah she got a collection notice this is i assume i'm assuming a baptist church in 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 florida somewhere yeah um but they, they, they they let her know that she uh she hadn't been given her pulling her weight parent paying her fair share i wonder if they were gonna like impound her car or something if she didn't uh she didn't pay up or not. Yeah, I don't even know what they could do. I imagine they kick you out. They make you feel so shitty about being there, and you know they get everyone to turn against you. But I, you know, it begs the question: is why uh, this is clearly a business? Then why aren't these people being taxed? Yeah, good point. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that I found that completely insane on a lot of levels. Yeah. But anyway, we digress a little bit, although we haven't because we haven't mentioned what the topic is today. No, but uh, I actually have a quick thing I wanted to talk about before okay. we get into our topic. Oh, you're you're. You're pulling something out on me. I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little nervous. Um, so uh, it's not necessarily something funny that happened this week necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's something that harkens back to something funny. Uh -huh. uh, so I had a commercial audition the other day. Congratulations. For a product that will rename nameless at this point. Okay. Uh, but basically what it is is it is a testosterone enhancer drug. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would say is uh -huh. uh, dispersion upon my new age bracket. Uh huh. Except for the fact that this exact same product, like about like uh, sixteen years ago when uh -huh. I was in Chicago, I was in a pamphlet for it. <laughs> <laughs> Only at that time, it was being marketed as a uh, testosterone enhancer. Uh huh. For guys with erectile dysfunction, or as they call it, hypogonadism, <laughs> tiny balls, uh -huh. uh, that is the result of HIV medication. 
Oh, so they were kind of marketing to junkies and gay people. Yes. Okay. And so they were marketing specifically as a result of HIV medication. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and so uh, they were very reluctant to say what this was for. Uh-huh. Even though, you know, I was getting paid. I didn't care. Uh-huh. You know, honestly. So I, I, I did find out while I was doing it what it was for and didn't really care. But they were uh, the first half of the shoot. It was a. Uh, it was just stills, right? Uh-huh. It was a pamphlet, <laughs> uh-huh. and they were all just like, you know, you're you're real depressed. <laughs> uh, you you had some some plans for your wife, and uh, and she couldn't make it. She didn't show up, and all this stuff like uh-huh. that. And then I'd sit there all depressed. And then they had a second. Half of the shoot, <laughs> which luckily nothing from this part got used in it. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> they had me sitting in front of a Christmas tree uh-huh. with a big present on my lap <laughs> and all grins. And they were just like, uh-huh. you know, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> You got what you wanted, and like uh-huh. that, like that was their encouragement that they were walking me through because they kind of emotionally walk you through uh-huh. how you're right. supposed yeah, to yeah, be yeah. reacting, and they just take pictures as well, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, uh, I just want to know the name of this company so I can look up the pamphlet. You will not hear that from me because I am on first refusal right now. For oh, this. congratulations! Yes. That's fantastic. Did you mention to them that uh, during the audition that you were in the pamphlet? Yes, I did. And what did they say? Uh, well, it was just the audition was for just a casting agent, basically right. with a camera. Oh, okay. So none it, of the it, honestly, if the client was there, right, I wouldn't have opened my mouth. You wouldn't have said anything. Interesting. No, well, I think there's something to the continuity of something like that. But I'd be scared that they'd think it might be a conflict if I book it. I'll tell them when we wrap. Right, that makes sense. Not before we wrap. Smart, smart. <laughs> no, it's smart because they will. They'll drop you like a hot potato. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care about people. They're advertising. And I'm I, sorry. I'll take that back in case they hear this. You're wonderful people. We love you all. Hire Noel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hire me. Well, that's very exciting though that you're on first refusal. Yeah, I'm great at getting first refusal. Oh, I, do you get that a lot? I get that a lot. Yeah. A lot more than I bought. At the clubs with the ladies. At the clubs with the ladies. First refusal. Yeah. You're gone. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) If the guy I'm real interested uh, (laughs) doesn't want to go home with me. (laughs) I'll come back to you. You're on deck. That's right. Yeah. Buy me a couple more drinks. You may move up. Exactly. But anyway, Josh, what is our topic this week? Our topic this week for GRQ, Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel on Radio Free Brooklyn, is... Food. That's right. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. Everybody consumes food. Everybody shops for food. It's more than just eating food. It's everything to do with food. We look at food. We love food. Yeah. We rub food on our bodies. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do all sorts of things. We take food and we make it into into cleansing masks. We beauty products. Food is more than just sustenance. Yeah. I I have a theory where I think that. Uh, when it comes to food and sex, because they are such elemental parts of our species, mm-hmm. that there is almost no limit to the weirdness people will get about it. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. yeah. Like, people have craziest sex fetishes. Uh-huh. People have the craziest, most specific food 
almost fetishes. Awful, awful food issues. Yes. certainly. Yeah, like people. I mean, I know adults because they grew up in the in the age of McDonald's. That literally, as adults, the only thing they'll eat are are, are chicken nuggets and French fries. Yeah. And that is just disgusting to me. I mean, I was like that as a kid, but as I grew up and got older, my palate expanded. I mean, my idea of a vegetable when I was a kid was corn and potatoes, period. Yeah. That was vegetable. And then when I got into asparagus, that was a big deal. I was like, whoa, something yeah. green. But um, Oh, and uh, iceberg lettuce on my hamburgers. That was a that, given. That was an expansion to that iceberg was, lettuce? That, when I was younger, it was, yeah. Oh, wow. That was an expansion. That was the only green I would eat. Wow. You're opening up. And I would watch my father. My father would take tomatoes and sprinkle salt on them and just eat them like an apple. And to me, that was the most disgusting thing on the face of the universe. To, to eat a tomato just like that, I couldn't even imagine oh, it. I love it. I, and, and, and even as a kid, I loved that. Right. So I don't know if you guys know this. We'd ha- we have mentioned it before. Uh, but Josh used to be a chef. I was a chef for almost 12 years. Well, actually, I mean, if you go back in my life, I grew up in restaurants. My father had restaurants my whole life. My mother had a restaurant in upstate when I was a, a young teen. I worked in all of them as a teenager. And then I've worked in the food industry basically from the age of, honestly, 13 till about six years ago. Uh-huh. I, pretty much everything I did, give or take little breaks in and there where I tried something else, I was in the food service industry, whether it was bartending, waitering, busboying, dishwashing, chefing. And the last 10, 11 years, I was I was chefing in, in pretty good restaurants in the New York City area, Yeah, I might add. Josh can do it up. And this is what I can tell you about getting rich quick with food. There is no real way to get rich quickly when it comes to the certainly the food service industry. Well, I can say that. If you're a hot restaurant. How do you get to be a hot restaurant, though? You put out the heat. You put out the heat. Yes, you do. You get to be a hot restaurant <laughs> by having someone who's been in the business for at least 10 years owning and operating it. Okay. Right? It's it's never a situation where where nudniks come in and open a place. Maybe, yeah, it's hot for six months, but if everything else about it is shit, if the food shit, if the service is shit, you're done. The investment to open a restaurant, at least in New York City, is so ex- extraordinarily high nowadays. But, you know, I mean, you, if you can open a restaurant nowadays for less than half a million dollars oh that'd be yeah it's kind of amazing to yeah. me i i I'd, I'd be surprised if i heard that happening yeah i have a theory about <clears throat> restaurants where uh, and you could probably correct me mm-hmm. but oh i will i Don't you feel worry about that it. if they were ever hot for any period of time that even if they go out of business the people who own that place still made a boatload of money and they didn't lose that money they are calling it quits when they are stopping making that money. Uh, there's a lot of potential reasons for that happening. It depends on how long they're hot for it. You know, one of the big things nowadays, when my dad owned restaurants back in the in you know starting in the in the '60s in the in the village, and then straight up into uh, you know the late '90s. <clears throat> you could still get leases for twenty years. Oh, sure. Nowadays, in the in the 2015s and above five-year leases so you know it used to be you had sort of room to grow if you're not kind of 
off and running right from the jump where you have, you know, you, you're some well-connected owner who's got like a heavy PR presence and you've got some hot chef in the kitchen and you're not packed from day one. But, you know, you have investors you have to pay off who are looking to make a profit. I mean, it's a real it's a weird business and it runs on a really, really narrow, narrow margin. Even and it's gotten even worse now. Even ten years ago, it was, you know, you were probably looking at a ten percent, if not less, possible profit margin. You know, because there's so many variables that go into eating into that, particularly things that you can't control. There's so many things you can't control. Food cost is the biggest one. You know, it goes up and down, up and down. Ideally, you'd be operating at like a 20% food cost. But by the time I left, you, you couldn't, you were lucky if you were keeping it at 30%, which is huge. 30% of all your money just going to food. Yeah. You know, I used to work in restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do all the front of the house, basically. Right. In high school, I bust, mm-hmm. and then I waitered and bartended. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go to <clears throat> chef school. And? And uh, there was a chef school in Chicago that was a free school that was pretty good. And it closed the day I moved to Chicago. <laughs> the nature of free in yeah. a city. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, then I was going to go into this... Um, apprenticeship program for the American Chef Association or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and you had to do all this kind of schmoozing and basically a master chef uh, pretty much at like a country club right? would take you under and you would be an apprentice and work for nothing, but Reed you would learn. slave. Yeah. Right. Um, they would pay you a tiny bit. Yeah, but and, you'd work 14 hours a day. Yes, and, and, but you would butcher. You right. Would, yeah. Everything all the way through, and they would pay for you to go to school. And then right before I was supposed to start Culinary that, school they'd pay for you to go to as well, yeah. on top of going, okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, right before I was supposed to start that, the chef I was going to start at, I was going to start at the place that does the Western Open golf mm-hmm. tournament thing in Chicago. And then he went somewhere else, and the new place didn't want an apprentice, and the new guy at the place i was gonna go didn't want an apprentice right. so it's back to zero uh-huh and in the meantime uh i had been living with my aunt and uncle for a little while and then i had moved out got my own place with a couple friends started class at second city and it was like oh man no i need to right this is i need to make some monies money <laughs> yeah money money and then you became the amazing IT guy that you are now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Slash actor, improviser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is one, I will tell you, there's a get-rich-quick tip for you right now. And it's not so much get-rich-quick, but as in don't spend your money quickly. If you, for some reason, at some point in your life, are deciding that you want to be a chef, don't go to culinary school. Don't drop the dough. Go to a good restaurant near wherever you live and tell them you'll work for free. Take the money that you would have spent on culinary school and just put it aside and use it to pay your life and learn everything you can in that restaurant. And it will be hard and it will be brutal, but it's going to do two things. One, you're going to learn how to cook, right? And two, you're going to learn whether you really want to be in the restaurant <laughs> business or not because they'll beat it out of you. If you're, if you're not 100% sure or you didn't know what you were getting into, it'll be beaten out of you within three, four months. Yeah. Beaten out of you. Yeah, literally. kitchen work's brutal. The only yeah. reason I actually wanted to do it is I do like cooking mm-hmm. and I really liked working in restaurant and bars. And I figured if I can, I, I, 
and I could see how everything on the front of the house, I you know, I was already bartending, right. which is you can't make any more money up front. Right. Uh, so if I could figure out a way to get a good name in a kitchen, though, you can get someone and you can open a place and it's their money. Right. So that was my plan. Right. And then it went to shit. It was a reasonable plan. Yeah. But as with, you know, m- any plan involving the restaurant business, it would have taken years to accomplish. So it's, again, not a get-rich-quick scheme. No. The no, closest that was thing I would say to get getting rich quick in the food service industry like that is going in, being an attractive person, particularly female these days, going into one of the more popular club restaurant bars, getting a bartending gig there. And while you won't get rich, you'll make a pretty damn good living. Oh, yeah. Bartending is pretty good money. I mean, these days in New York City, I mean, you know, uh, I have friends who were working at places and making, you know, uh, could on a particularly if they were working a double on a good day, make over a thousand dollars. Yeah. In the day. Those aren't the places I work. No. (laughs) No. You don't seem like that kind of I imagine looking at you now and knowing what you've said about the way you looked back then. I can't see those places hiring you. Yeah. You don't have a big enough beard. That's also part of the thing. If you're a dude, well, nowadays, yeah. you have to have a huge beard to work behind a bar. When I was in high school, I worked at this place in Toronto as a busboy there. Um, and honestly, if, if there's ever been something that I have an aptitude for that should have been my calling in life, mm-hmm. pathetic to say it is, it was busing tables. <laughs> uh, I was fantastic at it. Uh-huh. Um, but this place was this major meat market in Toronto. It was a restaurant bar, mm-hmm. and it was written up. This is what eventually killed the restaurant. Is <laughs> it was written up as the biggest AIDS den in Toronto, and this was so it was a meat during... market on several levels. Oh you no, know, I I mean, oh meat... you meant it was a meat market oh, like a sex meat market. I thought you were heavy talk... we're talking about food. I thought we were talking about like an actual meat market. Uh, no, no, uh-huh. they served chicken parm, but. It was a meat market. <laughs> there was this guy. Uh-huh. I, I used to, uh, they, as I said, I was a fantastic busboy. Uh-huh. And they would give me three quarters of the restaurant to bus. Wow. And all the busy parts. And literally everyone else would have, like, the rest. Right. Like, four people for the rest. Did you get tipped more for this? Did oh, you man, make yeah. more money? Yeah, okay, I, made, I made actually really good money in uh-huh. high school doing this. But, uh so I was I was busting the bar at one point and it would get very busy. It was very crowded. Uh-huh. And this one dude used to hang out all the time right by the bus station in the uh-huh. bar and just like talk to me all the time. And he used to like whenever glasses would break, ask for the broken glass. And he'd uh-huh. give him the broken glass and he would take it and he'd pop it in his mouth and he'd chew it up and he'd swallow it. Oh my God! So he was and like a freak show guy. Uh, well, he looked like a just like a. He didn't look like one, but that's like a freak show yeah. act. He just looked like a middle aged businessman uh-huh. guy. And so I'd always be like, "How do you do this? How do you do this?" And he'd be like, "Ah, well, now I'll never tell you." And then on like my last day there, he go, he's there, and he's like, "So you want to know? You want to know the trick?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, tell me the trick." He's like, "What's glass made out of?" And I'm like, uh, sand? And he's like, yeah, silicon. You're right, right? So I bite the glass. I run along my teeth with my tongue. I bite the glass again. 
run it back under my teeth with my tongue, and I keep doing that until I break it down into silicone. And I swallow the silicone. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> and then I go home and shit blood for an yeah, hour. Exactly. <laughs> and I scream into my pillow from the pain in my stomach. Yeah. That he breaks it down into silicone. Yeah. So he wasn't a chemist, is what we're getting here. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. That's great. Yeah. I didn't. I never had any customers when I was. I had one guy that used to bartend. He drank Cuddy Sark, and Cuddy Sark has the ship, mm-hmm. the schooner, the Cuddy, the the cutter on the la- on the label. And every time I would polish off the bottle for him, stand up and salute the sinking <laughs> of the ship. <laughs> That was that was his big. That was probably. I mean, I I worked at a lot of like, except for my dad's restaurant, which I bartended at. Pretty much every place else I bartended was a complete shit show. I mean, it was the diviest of the dive. I worked at one place. Pretty much all we served were shots and beers, and it was like dollar fifty beer kind of deal. And I'd be walking around with six mugs of beer, pouring it in the cheapest people. And then we had all these drug dealers who would come in there and deal coke out of there, who would come in all fucked up. And I actually cut one of them off because he had come in. He had been out for about five days straight. Um, I won't say his name, but he was a mess. He smelled awful all the time. I mean, this was a fucking low-life kind of guy. And he came into the bar, and he was all over the place. Give me beer, give me beer. And he was trembling, and hands were moving, and head was shaking. And it was... Middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. He'd been out for four or five nights straight. I had about eight people at the bar. They were all tourists. And they all, one by one, started to get up and leave the bar. And finally I said, you know what? I actually don't think I can serve you right now. (laughs) You're too (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) And I turned my head and whoosh. A pint glass goes whizzing by my head and smashes against the bar. I turn back around. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? What are you doing? And he starts screaming at me. You don't cut me off. I don't get cut off anywhere, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I know, you're out of your mind. Get out of this bar right now. Now, the owner comes running upstairs. At this point, everyone's left the bar. The last few people that were still there have left the bar. The owner comes running upstairs because he hears us screaming at each other, and he's like, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on? Now, this guy gives the owner free Coke all the time. So the owner looks at me and goes, Josh, apologize to him. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to, really? I have to apologize to him? And he was like, yeah, you have to apologize to him. I'm not going to throw him out. Uh, He's, you know, I almost said his name. We'll call him Bill. For the sake yeah, of the you, story, you sure you don't want to say this guy's name? It <laughs> yeah, sounds Jersey like a really Frank. Good idea. His name was Jersey Frank. This guy had three <laughs> kids. Each one was taken away from him at birth, at uh, their birth. Yeah. He had a wife who, the story went, <laughs> she was this crone. She, the story went, she was like 30 years old. She uh-huh. looked like she was 110, and he used to call her up to bring her supply over from Jersey. And everyone said for that 100 percent sure that she used to bike through the tunnel. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if that's possible, but we all saw we like the 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 wicked witch, and she'd show up and hook them up. They'd have babies. They'd get taken away by the state. So, I had to apologize to Jersey Frank 
almost on bended knee, it felt like. I'd never been so angry in my entire life. This guy came in, he fucking scared everyone out of this guy's place, threw a glass at his bartender, and I had to turn around and apologize to him. Ugh. And he shook my hand, and he said, no problem. Yeah. All is forgotten. Oh, man. That's what he said. I felt so good. All was forgotten. You know, when I used to bartend, uh, also in kind of like beer and a shot type places, um, I never had a problem when people would try to pull stuff because in those types of places, more than anywhere else, I'm sure, the regulars would almost compete to be in your favor because they wanted (laughs) payback. Mm-hmm. So if there was a fight, these guys would be tripping over each other trying to break it up. Or right. if someone pulled something. And honestly, if someone ever tried something to me, I'm sober. They're wasted right. if they're trying something on a bartender. And they're telegraphing their move a mile <clears throat> ahead. And they're just not as effective as they feel like they are. As sad as it is. Being a bartender is the ultimate power position in the front of house. Oh, in a yeah. Bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you run have, the show. You run the show. Everyone wants to be your friend because they think you're going to give them free drinks. Oh, yeah. Girls get drunk, and because you're like the power position, they want to sleep with you. Yeah. They, you know, everyone wants to hang out with you because you're the bartender. You're the keeper of the fun. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're uh, not a good bartender or even if you're l- not a fun person. Now, uh, Josh uh, met his wife at a restaurant they're working at. Were you a bartender there? <laughs> we, I was a bartender. She was a waitress. Uh, look, you were uh, reaping the rewards. I was reaping the yeah. rewards. No, I made a mistake. I had all that other lady lady love I could have had <laughs> from drunk co-eds, and I ended up going with someone I worked with. Yeah, you got a good one. I did. Yeah. I can't deny that. She, uh, she had, she, there was one story that I'll let her tell when we interview her, but it involves a bachelor party. And a blow-up doll and a fork. Okay, it was really amazing. <laughs> Going to tease that. Going to yeah. tease so, that. So, uh, I think we have mm. ascertained that working in restaurants, although maybe lots of fun, yeah, <laughs> uh, not necessarily not, not a way to get rich quick. The best way to get rich quick. Um, so, before we go on to other ways we can get rich quick with food, uh, first of all, I have to say. That in last week's Get Rich Quick Tip of the Week, <laughs> brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn, uh huh. Um, I made a big mistake. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a clip of a woman who uh, faked cancer to get people to raise money for her. And then she was caught. And I cut the clip before she right. got caught. Basically, the only person who knew that she had faked cancer... Was you? Yes, it was me. So I didn't know she had no, faked cancer. No. I was waiting for the payoff yeah. on that. No, it sounded like I was uh, playing a clip, trying to encourage people to, to get, get sick, cancer, to get to actually get to cancer. make money from a Kickstarter or something like that. <laughs> Not what I was trying to play. Right. Uh, she faked her illnesses and reaped rewards until she was busted. Uh huh. So don't get busted if you try that one. That's right. Yeah, that we can deal with later, and and maybe we'll do one on scams. Yeah. at so some point, as uh, uh, penance, this week, uh, they, they, these tips don't always necessarily have to do with what the suggestion of the show is, but this week it's right on the nail, uh, hits the nail right on the head because I screwed up last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, for this week's get rich quick tip of the week, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. What do we have, Josh? 
Today we have, well, I'm just going to play it for you. Okay. Here we go. And this is for the ladies out there. The American housewife, who has a more important, a more responsible occupation. Wife, mother, laundress, counselor, maid, chef, purchasing agent. All of these are her duties at one time or another. It is her duty to be sure that what she has to spend buys the most in healthful, nutritious food for her family. Yes, she feels that she must buy wisely if she can. But just what does this mean? Shopping from a grocery list. Okay. So uh, there you go, ladies. And it really is for the ladies. I mean, guys, maybe you can use it in this liberated society we live in, full of the feminists. But ladies, shopping list. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the get-rich-tip. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> The get rich quick tip of the week. Yeah. Are you sure you didn't cut out a piece where maybe she was just pretending to be a housewife? Nope. No? She was 100% housewife, that woman. Okay. Uh, There there was a whole section about where uh, we learn about impulse buying and why it's bad because uh, a housewife sent her husband to do the shopping. Oh, boy. And just get whatever looks good. (laughs) Exactly. Cake. A vegetable he's never seen before. <laughs> he wanted something different tonight, so he got oysters. Yeah, and a lot of them. Yeah. It was. It's a. It's a fine piece. But anyway, shopping lists that will, again, not necessarily get you rich quick, but keep you from spending all of your money. I never use a shopping list. I and you know what people <clears throat> say: don't go shopping hungry. You go shopping hungry all the time. All the time. It's because it's usually before I'm going to make something. Uh huh. I love shopping hungry. And you get inspired, right? Yeah. Because you're hungry, you're like, oh, I'm going to make this when I see these ingredients that look so good. Or, or even if I know what I'm going to make, you know, so I'll I'll branch out. I won't know exactly usually everything that's going to be there. But then even the other things you buy for like snacks or stuff like that, you do such a better job when you're hungry. I agree with you. It all tastes better. You know, your your sense of, of taste and, and, and desire for food is much more heightened when you're hungry. So things taste better. Your sense of smell is more acute. So when you're cooking and you're smelling the things, it smells better. Nothing's deadened. Everything's alive and ready to go. Yeah. I agree with you. You just have to, you know, you're not a, 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 a porker like myself. So, well, you know. Huh. Yeah, her, her, <laughs> I'm her, no haka, haka, skinny haka. little mini, that's for um, sure. But, you know, you can obviously control yourself from going like, oh, man, I'd love some cheese puffs right now, and then eating the whole bag while you're standing in line. So there's something to that about it. I always feel like the don't go shopping when you're hungry is like diet advice. Yeah. That's always like that's like the number one thing on the list of rules for Weight Watchers. Oh, okay. I thought it was so that you'd spend your money wisely. That's probably one, too. Okay. But but I've always heard that as a diet thing. Okay. Never go shopping when you're hungry because you're just going to eat too much. You know, bad diet advice was that uh, those – remember Alestra? <laughs> yeah, yes, I do remember Alestra and the anal seepage. Oh, yes, yeah. Any food that comes with a warning of anal seepage. Uh-huh. I have a story about Alestra. Oh, I bet you do, my friend. My, this is when I was living in Chicago. Um, my aunt had a big bag of those Alestra dr- Doritos. Mm-hmm. And I was over there, and I was like, <laughs> what are you doing with these things? They're the worst things in the world. They come with a warning of may cause anal seepage. Uh-huh. You know, like, how can you be eating this? And she's like, no, they're fine, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she's like, try them. So I'm like, all right, I'll try them. So I took one small handful of these things. 
and I tried them, and they tasted fine, but you still know that it's not that Doritos are ever health food anyway. Right, but, but it's it tastes different. It doesn't. It's not the same. It tasted fine, actually, right. to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. But then the next day, <laughs> I uh, was hanging out at Improv Olympic, which is an improv theater in Chicago uh-huh. I used to do stuff at, and I was walking home, which is four blocks away. Uh-huh. And I'm about halfway home, and I realized, like, oof. I got to go. And I, you know, keep walking. And a few steps later, I'm like, oof, I really got to go. <laughs> and so I kind of start putting a little hustle in it. Within a few steps, I'm like, oh, no, I got to go. <laughs> and I and I was, at this point, a block and a half from my apartment. And I'm like, no way am I getting that block and a half. So I just ran as fast as I could around the corner into an alley <laughs> <laughs> and just like, Dumped in an alley. <laughs> <laughs> was it explosive? Oh, it it just it, just it was blew out, out of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was not seepage. This the, was a, a a pipe burst. It, it was it was yeah. You know what also apparently does that to you? What's that? Sugar free gummy bears. Really? I don't I don't think I've ever had sugar. I don't know how I came upon it on 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 the web, but it's apparently a thing, and it's and and I think some people even take it as a challenge because they don't believe it. But if you eat like you don't have to even eat like fistfuls of it. If you eat a certain amount of sugar-free gummies within an hour, gummy bears, the uh, you know, uh, within an hour, you are going to have explosive diarrhea. <laughs> explosive diarrhea. <laughs> and apparently they're, they taste amazing. They taste just like regular gummy bears. Yeah. And so it's the kind of thing that people sit there, pop it in their mouth, pop it in their mouth. About an hour later, they're like, oh, God, I don't feel right. I got to, oh. And then it's just like a fucking rainbow explosion out of your ass. Wow. You know, if I have like food poisoning or if I'm sick mm-hmm. and you have some badness going on down there, it's a real drag. But I have to say, sometimes you just hit with like a random wave uh-huh. that'll just be like, <laughs> and it's almost kind of fascinating. It's almost it's like watching a thunderstorm or something like that. It, you know, it's yeah. like sit there and take a little bit of awe at the power of nature. Oh, of your nature. It's about what you've created. Yes. And there's something to that, that it's yours and 100% yours, and it came out of you. And how did that happen? Uh, to me, I love my favorite place in the world is the toilet. I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy that will sit in my own stink for hours, like my leg will fall asleep. Uh-huh. And that's when I know I have to sort of finish up and get up because I, I've got no feeling in my foot, in my left leg usually. But I could sit there on my phone reading a book the whole nine yards. You know, Noel, I think this is a perfect segue into a new segment okay. that I wanted to bring into this um, that I'm going to affectionately call the Trump dump. Okay. I have been always had a weird kind of obsession with Donald Trump ever since I met him on a set of a movie I was working on as a PA called whoa, 54. Whoa, someone is dropping names and <clears throat> you know, the Donald and I. Classy over here. I was PAing on some reshoots for the movie 54 starring Ryan Philippi, uh-huh. which was, you know, I guess some people liked it. Um and it was just some party shots, uh VIP room shots and they were bringing in all these uh modern-day VIPs to play 70s VIPs, and one of them was the Donald. And the Donald was the only—and there were some pretty big stars there. This was in the, in the mid-'90s. Sheryl Crow was there. 
uh, the all the actors who were in it. Ryan Philippi was there. Salma Hayek was there. Uh, Veronica Webb, the model, was there, who's a big model at the time. Uh, a few others I can't remember off the top of my head. Donald Trump was the only one that showed up with a bodyguard, number one. Okay, now this was not the Donald Trump we know now. This was the Donald Trump who was bankrupt yeah. and all, and you know, was well, all of his hotels were owned by other people at that point. But the chutzpah on this guy, the balls, the ego, even then, was extraordinary. I mean, there wasn't anything specific about it, but it was just the 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 attitude that he had. And he was—I can't remember if he was with Marla Maples or he had dumped her at that point. Every actress there was just, you could feel the, the, the fucking staring that he would do, and he would descend upon them. I mean, literally descend upon them in his power suit and just start, you know, bragging about what he had. That was his pickup line, was basically, I'm rich. And it's clearly worked over the years because it's garnered him enough popularity by yeah. saying, I'm rich, to... That's- to, all he has. To, to, to become possibly the president of the United States. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in honor of Donald Trump, who has an opinion about everything, I've decided, I thought to myself, after we had done that Donald Trump tip uh, during the real estate section, I believe it was, or no, it was the one after that, but about real estate, I said, I bet I can find a challenge to myself to find Donald Trump having an opinion Everything on any topic that we discuss, okay, uh, as uh, uh, in our series of of broadcasts. So here we go. This is going to be Donald Trump on food. Here we go. When it comes to great steaks, I've just raised the steak. Trump steaks are the world's greatest steaks, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Today, through the sharper image, you can enjoy the world's greatest steaks in your own home with family, friends, anytime. I understand steaks. It's my favorite food, and these are the best. Donald Trump sold steaks on sharper image? Trump steaks on sharper image. (laughs) Wow. It's amazing. This guy has his fingers in every possible pie imaginable. Yeah. You know what else is kind of amazing? Uh Uh, Mere seconds. Before you enlightened us with this tale of your social hobnobbery, <laughs> you were talking about how proud you are from making your good big diarrheas. I, I love making good big diarrheas. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. Uh, so if we are going to look at other ways to get rich quick off of food, uh, one thing that we need to look at a little bit is the commodities market. Okay. Which is, are you aware at all of what the commodities market I know is? commodities, well, I don't really know this. I, right. As I recall, commodities are, are actual tangible things, and they're commodities such yes. as orange juice. Oranges are a commodity. They're basically any kind of food stuff. And wouldn't, wouldn't anything that's, that comes from the earth, essentially— like, is an iron a commodity? Are, are metals a commodity? Or am I am I expanding it? No, you're, it you're too? right about that. It's it's their uh, commodities are deliverables, right? Okay. So if you uh, if you buy a commodity and you don't sell it before the contract is up, they have a time period of where this can be sold back and forth because mm-hmm. you're buying a future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you if you're the guy holding the bag when that contract is up. Mm-hmm. You bought those head of cattle 
or soybeans so or corn or whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> so when people trade in commodities, right, and when you say it's a future, meaning that they're basically gambling essentially on the future value of these commodities, right? Uh-huh. You, when you buy a commodity, what you're actually buying is a contract? Yes. Is that what the contract yeah, you're is? You're buying a contract for uh, <coughs> X lots of whatever it is. Right. And then you trade that contract back, you know, as things change and shift, you can then trade that contract, meaning sell that contract to someone else. Well, here's the thing, right? So uh, at one point, farmers would load up their wagon and mm-hmm. go to the market and sell stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, like, that's not very efficient. So <coughs> they started uh, co-oping their stuff together right, and having auctions, mm-hmm. right? And so they would go for a higher price. Right. And then, basically, auctions led into, well, we're going to sell this to you, food company, before it's made so that you know you're going to have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually, uh, with the markets, they began just separating that further and further and further. Right. And, and with those the distance that they kept putting in there, it grew, it, it, it gave more room for people to speculate on whatever it was they were buying. Right. right? So before it was <coughs> just someone who wanted to buy something buying it. Right. And now uh, it's people buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell and buy and sell. And 99.9% of those people doing the buying and selling don't want to be holding the bag at the end of the contract. Okay. They would be very upset if, you know, a tractor trailer truck full of bacon is left on their lawn (laughs) when this is all said and done. (laughs) Okay, I gotcha. All right. So, uh, it, you know, it, it, it drives up the prices in some ways. It manipulates the prices. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the claim is that it makes a fairer market for the farmers. Right. Okay. I, I, I kind of get, get that theory. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I'm not 100% sure. Because by the time it's all passed back and forth, the people really making the money aren't the farmers, right? Uh, there's so much money made and lost in between. Yeah. Right. Between what the farmers get initially for this load of stuff. I mean, they're still basically dealing with a set amount of money, right? Like a per pound kind of deal. Isn't that what happens yeah. with the farmers? Well, no, no. This actually sets the price that they're going to sell it for. Oh, I see. Right. So, um, so, so, so. Let me understand this. Get this straight. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to comprehend this. So, this is all being bought and sold before this stuff actually exists. Yeah. Okay. Quarterly, I got it. right? So you'll. Okay. For most things, there's four contracts a year. Okay. Uh, I, I should add in uh, at this point. I've, I've worked in, uh, in. I have done mainly IT stuff, but I've worked in the financial markets for most of my life, uh, other than when I worked in restaurants. Uh, And I have, I had to get a uh, FIA, which is a Financial Information Associates, uh, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a lot of stuff about commodities. And I used to work at the Board of Trade in Chicago, which is a big commodities market. I used to work there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do know a little bit about commodities, mm-hmm. not enough to be a trader, but I know. And Chicago is the big commodities market, right? Isn't that the like the yeah. sort of the center of commodities training in America? In yeah. America, yeah. There's also Philly has a has a big one too. Oh, do they? Re- I didn't realize yeah. that. 
and New York has one, but yeah, it's not such a big deal because it's not the stuff isn't coming in there as well. Yeah, exactly. I Ch- mean, Chicago know, was the the slaughterhouse of the country. Exactly, exactly. Right. Which is why they have all that, and mm-hmm. all the trains went through Chicago. Right, right. Um, and it's also the middle of the country where all the cattle was being raised for the most part. Yeah, and cattle and pig and all that kind of stuff. I yeah, gotcha. I understand that part. I understood that part. I always knew it's it's the actual. Uh, uh, what the commodities trading is but now i understand so basically quarterly there's all this trading going back and forth mm-hmm. and essentially this is predicting what the eventual cost of this product is going to be yes right and yeah. and and if you are left the last person with that like the hot potato of this contract you then own a lot of stuff yeah but 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 you can then sell it well or in addition, like it, it's not until in in America, it's not until '83 that banks were allowed to buy and sell commodities. Oh, okay. And before that, there were uh, there was some speculation going on, but a lot of what was happening was really, you know, Cisco, the restaurant supply company, <laughs> right. would be going out and they wanted to buy their bacon. Or whatever before, mm-hmm. so that they would know what their prices were right. going to be. Yeah, going forward, you know it's what I mean. Smart. It, yeah. So, uh, <coughs> especially with a p- company that huge that's delivering to you know, uh, I don't know what the actual percentage is, but if you told me that sixty to seventy percent of the restaurants in the country were getting some sort of supply from Cisco, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, I, and and there's actually a. Uh, I know I like to come in here with conspiracy theories. Uh-huh. I don't have too many this this uh-huh. week, but I do have a little one here. Uh-huh. Is, uh, you know, uh, the McRib. Mm-hmm. There's a guy that has he wrote a book. There's about a million articles that were based on this, and he his whole thing is that McDonald's is big to the point. That their real job is in commodities, and the restaurants are secondary. Mm-hmm. And he claims <clears throat> that he has studied this over years. Uh huh. And the McRib sandwich is only bought because of commodities prices. Or it's only introduced, introduced like how because it comes of out commod- every once in a while. Uh, that's certainly possible. Yeah, it's a special, it's a special market item. Yeah. Well, and not only is it a special market item, <laughs> but it's the only pork product they have that's not like bacon or sausage right. in your breakfast. Yep. It's it it. Uh, so he claims talk about assholes and lips. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so he claims that. Uh, it only appears when McDonald's can make money on commodities market. Uh, so when pork futures are low and or chicken and beef futures are high. Then the McRib pops up. Then the McRib pops up because if, you know, if you're going to walk into McDonald's, mm-hmm. you're going to walk out of there with, with some sort of sandwich. Right. So if chicken and beef are high and the McRib's there... A lot of people are going to buy the pork. They're going to buy the special item because it's special. It's it's not often. It's not like a seasonal thing. Yes. Where you never know when it's going to come back up. It's not like the green shake. Yeah. 
right? The Mick McDonald's or whatever they call the green shake for, for that time of year. <laughs> For your people's time the of Mick year, Mick McDonald's, I think, the is Mick what it's McDonald's. called, right? Oh, it's the Mick McDonald's. It's the Shamrock Shake. The, sha- the Shamrock yeah. Shake, right? Uh, the Shamrock Shake. They know that's coming. The Green Shake. That's yeah. clearly not a commodities thing. There's not a a, a run on green food coloring. No, um, and that comes at the same time, right? Every, every year. year. This does not. No. This comes. Uh, that is a conspiracy theory. That I would completely and utterly buy into. That, to me, is more like a window opening. That's an aha moment for me, if I can quote my friend Oprah. Yeah, I actually don't think it's a conspiracy. No, I don't. it doesn't qualify There's as a conspiracy. No it's agenda. a smart business yes. decision, honestly. It makes a lot of sense, you yeah. know? Yeah. You bring the thing out that's actually going to cost you the less that you can charge the most for and get people to buy it. And they will. And why will they? Because they don't know when they're going to get it again. Yeah. You know what is a food conspiracy? And a true one that uh, <clears throat> they were found guilty of. In the 1970s, mm-hmm. Nestle, uh, do you know about this, about their baby formula? I don't. Okay. So Nestle went to Africa mm-hmm. and to poor areas and were giving out free samples of baby formula to new mothers. Mm-hmm. And intentionally gave out enough that the mother's milk would dry up. And these people were dirt poor and then had no choice really? but to then continue to buy formula. And babies died all over the place of starvation. Nestle is such an evil company. Nestle is the one that recently the, the, uh, the CEO was lambasted for saying that water isn't a right yeah, and and you know he you know people should have to buy water. Yeah, there's from a big thing in company. Canada right now about uh, because Canada is selling a lot of water to mm-hmm. Nestle. Oh really? Yeah. So they're all for they're all, they're all for water not being a right. Uh, in Canada, uh, they probably aren't. Um, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just stumbling now. All of a sudden, uh. There is no real way to get rich quick with food, I feel. <laughs> the only way I can honestly think about is lawsuits, and people try it all the time. Cronuts. Cronuts. But again, yeah. it wasn't quick. No, that's true. It wasn't really quick. And, you know, it just takes time. You can get rich off of food. There's no question about that. You can look at every fucking food network. Sh- you can look at the food network. Everyone yeah. involved in that is there a gajillionaire. Yeah. Right? You can look at every tele- – there's a lot of money – in getting involved in food in some fashion. Yes. And every schnook with a single recipe wants to make it in the next artisanal boombox, fucking mayonnaise, chocolate bars, and just one thing, you know, the artisanal banana. Yeah. You know, whatever it may be, but it's just not going to happen quickly. I but think that's Unless you get involved in lawsuits, unless you're suing the shit out of a fast food company because you burnt yourself. Yeah, you know, well. we tried to do that with Kentucky Fried Chicken. You tried to sue. Well, the- we didn't try to sue. We we had stopped at a KFC on a road trip. Okay, and Deb was wearing shorts, and she got the mashed potatoes, and we got it to go. And we're sitting in the car, and we're in the parking lot, and she pulls out the mashed potatoes, and the bottom part of the styrofoam of the mashed potatoes falls out, and the mashed potatoes falls on her legs and scalds her like big red welt. And we're like, oh, my God, are you all right? And she's, like, I don't know. And she's tearing up a little because it burns. But we got it off quickly, cooled it down. 
not really a burn burn. Yeah. But, you know, she's got a big red welt. So we go storming into the Kentucky Fried Chicken because I think we're both seeing dollar signs. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We're getting all that chicken money, baby. And we go to the guy and we go, this fell out and burned my wife's leg. And he goes, well, I can um, give you free potatoes. Give you another one and maybe some free biscuits. <laughs> And that's and how you that get just, rich. That just you know, do you ever see the documentary about uh, the woman who sued McDonald's because of the coffee? I did not see it, but I heard about it. She was, it was so misrepresented in the news. She was horrifically, third horrifically degree burns. burned. She had third degree burns. Anytime you hear third degree burns, that is a horrific burn. Her legs were burnt, like it, layers and layers fell off of her legs. And... And she wasn't driving. Right. She was in the passenger seat right. in a parked car. It's not just like Right. And that was through clothes. Yes. And third degree when you when you hear third degree burns, for people who aren't savvy savvy, third degree burns means that the skin peels off immediately. There's no blistering. There's it just no falls the off. The skin falls off. Yeah. Falls off. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to get disgusted, Google images of that and of, of this woman. And it, it, it's so much worse than it was portrayed right. in the news. It was portrayed as this. Suing's getting right. out of hand. Oh, she had a hot cup of coffee that spilled on her. No, right. third-degree burns are serious, serious deal. The risk of infection, especially a woman that age, mm-hmm. it's you know that's potentially like crippling yeah. for someone that age. Um, but at this point, yeah, I think we're getting close to time to go, yeah. huh, Noel? We are getting close to time to go. <laughs> Here at Greg, Get Rich Quick. Um, but as always, we like to finish off the show with the Get Rich Quick Rules of Wealth Randomizer. That's right, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. So today's rules come from, if I can get this open, why aren't you opening up for me, son? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm so not tech savvy. Here we go. Seven Rules of Wealth Building from, what website is this? From Practical Keys to Amassing Investment Capital. Okay, that sounds like a place that I would listen to. All right. Wealth Building Rule number one, find a financially compatible spouse. You did it. I did it. <laughs> and you I did it. In a restaurant. And and I worked in a restaurant. So, okay, we're going to check that one that off. One, we, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, one for one. Wealth building rule number two, recognize that debt is a habit that must be broken. Um, I don't know about that. I don't, you know, I, I have to say when you get in food, chances are you're starting off in a lot of debt. That's true, you are. So I'm not going to say we're not getting that one. No. we're not. So we're one in one right now. Wealth building rule number three, if you don't like where your parents were at your age, do things differently. <laughs> I, I think food is actually, if you're going to try and get rich quick with food, you're going the traditional route. You are not blazing a new trail. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so we are one for two. We're one, one not and doing two. well here, guys. Well, building rule number four, when you begin a job, look at the pay of the highest employee. Well, chances are the pay of the highest employee in a restaurant, at least. Is the bartender. Is, Yeah, that's true. Is the bartender um, or the executive chef. Okay. And if they're making seventy-five grand a year, yeah, that's pretty good. So you're not getting rich quick on seventy-five grand a okay, year, you guys. This is so, not coming out well. And that's it. So we, this is a first. Yes, the first one we where failed. you will not get rich quick. That's right. So people, if you are out there, 
working in a restaurant, making food, working in commodities markets, quit now. Give up your soybean soybean trading job. Your soybean dreams. Yeah, drop your waitress apron. Head for the <laughs> streets. Buy a lottery ticket. Uh huh. Buy a lottery ticket. Buy some real estate. Uh, in China with yeah. fours. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we've talked about too, but do Jewels. not work in food. Jewels. Don't work in food. If you have the kind of uh, 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 constitution that you want to work hard and commit to something and build a business from the ground up, then food is your the way for you to go. Yeah. Um, so for Josh and Noel, we'd like to thank you for coming, uh, for coming, for listening to us again on Get Rich Quick. That's right. Also, really quick, um, if you have any ideas, thoughts, comments, but particularly things you would like us to hear discuss on uh, Get Rich Quick, you can drop us a line on our new email address. That's right. Our email address is grq with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. That's grq with Josh and Noel at at gmail.com love you guys a lot and we will talk to you next week that's right don't spend that knowledge in one place guys Thank you.